Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Of being disciples, that's one who follows Jesus, who can make disciples, who will make disciples. And this multiplication of we the church, and we talked about wanting to grow up in our relationship with God in together so much that it feels like family and then out to love and bless the world around us. And if you remember, we did an out challenge where we had 10 people coming up and gave them a $10 pick-and-save card and said, pay attention. How might God use this card for you to reach out? So um, Crystal, I know, has a story to tell. Does anybody else from that initial out challenge have something that you haven't shared yet and you'd love to be able to share? Yeah? Beautiful. You two ladies, come on up. Crystal and Karina, will you, will you share with us? Let me do it now because then I won't be nervous. Just jump in. All right. I'm going to hand you a mic so we can all hear you. Sure. Um, well, uh, this um, summer, see, I'm already getting nervous. Um, one morning I woke up and I was just thinking about the people that I work with and just uh, just appreciating who they were and what they bring. It's, I work at a bank and, um, wow, I am nervous. <laughs> um, I work at a bank and it's, it's so neat to see um, a group of people just work together and... Um, create like space where people feel welcome when they're walking into the bank and so one of the ladies that I work with her name is um, Jane and she just does such a great job of not just helping people but she also um, wow <laughs> um, she also um, does a great job of like seeing the needs of the people that work at the bank and really create space for them and so I was like you know what I'm just gonna grab some flowers and bring them to her and so so I did and I felt you know I always have this thing about picking out things and feeling like oh man I am sure I'm gonna get the wrong thing and she's not gonna like it and you know all those things but I'm like you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it so I went to the store and I grabbed flowers and I brought them to her and I just said, you know, I walked in and I said, hey, Jane, you know, I just really appreciate what you do at the bank I'm the way that you serve people here. And I just wanted to give you these to say thank you. And she's like, oh, what do you want from me? Or, you know, just the, the, the type of thing. And I'm like, no, really, like, I really appreciate that. And so I just, like, left it with her and walked. And, of course, right, right after that, I feel, like, all those insecurities, like, oh, man, that was not the right flower. It doesn't look right. You know, all those things. And I'm like, no, Karina, this is about, like, serving someone and saying, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. And it's not about even... If she likes them or not, it's that she realizes that someone sees her and appreciates her. And so that was what I did with... Yes. Yes. Fantastic. Like, take a risk. Love without strings attached. And just, it doesn't matter the response. What matters is us seeing and doing and loving and blessing and letting God do the rest with it. That's awesome. I love it. Crystal. When did you give those cards out? Was that like the beginning of the summer? Yep. Okay. I sat on that card for a long time. 
I was like, oh my Why gosh. Why did you sit on it? Well, I'll explain that. Good. I kept, well, it, I put it in a part of my purse where I would see it often. So I'd be asking the Lord, like, okay, I'm open. Like, who can we bless with this card? And I just got silence for a long time. So I just trusted that it wasn't time. And um, I'm going to steal something that Beth and I had talked about. She gave me this beautiful illustration of, you know, when I want my kids, they're doing their thing. And then I call them and they come. And I just think about that in terms of our father. Like, when he wants me to do something, he'll call my name. And I'll listen. So I just trusted that, even though it was kind of hard. I'm like, am I missing something? Um, but a few weeks ago, me and Jane went out on, we were part of a discipleship group, and we were out on mission. Um, I say that loosely because it was really just about connecting with somebody who you meet. It wasn't really about ministering necessarily. It was just about that. And so we were out, but antennas were up, right? We were kind of on a, like, we were just walking, and we didn't have any particular place, so we just decided to park over at the zoo and just start walking. So we ended up walking down Park Street, just talking and sharing about what the Lord is doing in our lives. And um, we're walking, and we, we cross this, this man that's sitting at um, Liberty Tax. Li- Liberty Tax, is that what it's called? Anyway, he's sitting there, and we walk by, and both of our, you know, we're just being open, so we're like, hey. And we walk by, and I can't remember the first thing he said, but he was very um, interactive. So we were like, oh, okay, we get to have an opportunity to have a conversation. Um, the first thing I remember him saying is, I like Liberty, but I don't like the tax. <laughs> And he was a character. His name is Michael. And uh, we got to sit with Michael, and he was just full of the word. It was really sweet. Like, he was just reciting scripture, and once he figured out that we were believers, too, because we were, like, cheering him on, um, just scripture back and forth. He was soulfully singing the word. It was just really a sweet time to get to know him. And we sat with him for maybe 30 or 40 minutes, I'd say, just getting to know him, bits and parts of his of his life were coming out. He was telling us about some history. He revealed that he was uh, he was homeless currently. He just got to go see his son that he hadn't seen in 15 years, like really cool stuff. And we were just kind of getting to know him and be a, a natural part of building a relationship with someone. And almost towards the end, I just heard this little voice that goes, ask him if he's in need of anything or if that, that card would benefit him. And it felt so not charity, it felt so natural because we got to know him. We got to know Michael. We got to pray for him. There were some specific words that the Lord had for him, especially standing on his righteousness. Um, And it was just a super sweet time, and it just felt so effortless to just be like, hey, would this card benefit you in some way? He's like, yeah, I could use that card. And so that's how it happened. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Here's the goal, right, is we're not trying to create mission. We're trying to see what God is doing around us have our antenna up to see, God, what are you doing? What have you put in my hand? And how can I meet you in that? It doesn't have to be hard. Sometimes it's hard to kick us out of comfort, right? Sometimes that serves its purpose there. But it doesn't have to be hard. It can be simple. And it's often, often, often relational, right? People being human together, blessing each other, uh, sharing what God is doing. I love it. I love it. Let's keep growing, okay? Um, we had a good week last week together, right? Uh, we were combined. Josh Montague was here, talked about the gospel uh, spreading around the world. It gave us a, a taste of what life at DR is going to be like in the coming months and years as we combine starting in October together of Park Street and West. Now, uh, we've said one church in two locations, and we're heading into one church 
gathering together on Sundays. Um, and I, I love what's going on. Today we're going to talk about something that can stand in the way of the gospel. We're going to talk about worry and we're going to talk about fear today. And I want to do a quick survey as we get going. And I want you, it's just interactive. Shout out, uh, what age were you when you got your first cell phone? How old were you when you got your first cell phone? 32, 11, what? More? 40. 40. 48, 19. Yep. It's a range, right? It's like where you were in uh, probably the early 2000s, somewhere in there. Um, I remember, like, I remember my uncle was a, a car phone salesman when they were just coming out, when they were in the bag, remember? And it was like, wow, that's incredible. You can take that with you. And it was this whole hip pack deal, the way they've changed. I don't know how we lived life communicating with each other before cell phones. Like in middle school, I had that stretchy loopy cord that I would pull from the phone in the hallway into my room, close the door, and talk. And it was not fun until we got call waiting that I'd sit on the phone for a couple hours talking with different people, and that's how we communicate. We actually talked, right? And that's not even face-to-face. -face. People did that before telephones were there. We, we grow in how we communicate with one another, or we devolve, depending on how you look at cell phones and our interaction together. Our first cell phone for Leslie and me happened in our early 20s, maybe mid-upper 20s. Right? They were just coming on. They were uh, new. You didn't even have like cell phones that told you the number that was calling you unless you paid for that service, and we did not have money. Um, the first cell phone that Leslie had was one of these pay-per-call, pay-as-you-go, which meant that it was always off. It was like... Uh, it was for emergency purposes. If something happened, you could turn it on and then get help. But that didn't help me. So like, if I came home uh, after a night with youth ministry and she was gone running errands and I didn't know where she was, I would start to worry. And if it went longer than I expected, the worry would grow. And I'd pick up the phone and give her a call and it went straight to voicemail. And that didn't help my worry which maybe it could have been like, a, hey, there's no emergency, the phone's off. But for me, it just cooked and cooked in worry. What if there was a problem with the car, which felt kind of likely back in that day? What, uh, what if something had happened and she couldn't reach me? What if she was on a road trip now and something happened and I couldn't get a hold of her and she couldn't get a hold of me? What would happen? Phones today have these nice little creeper apps that you don't even have to communicate with each other. You can just pick it up and say, oh, there she is, right? The <laughs> we have bigger issues if we're married and we don't know where we are, right? Before creeper apps, you just had to, like, trust or sit in worry. Those were kind of some options. And so worry was real for me. I want to talk about worry today. Worry actually comes uh, from this old German word. Our English word worry comes from an old German word. Is Mickey here? She's, okay, she can't check this for me. Uh, the word virgen, 
which we get worry from, means to strangle. W, U with an umlaut, R, G, E, N. Wagen. Is that it? Is that better? Wagen. Okay. It's, but it's real, right? <laughs> Good. It means to strangle, to choke. So worry in its roots, our English word, means like it's choking the life out of you. Have you ever felt like that? Like worry and fear are literally uh, choking the life out of you, suffocating you or paralyzing you, like holding you back from really living. Jesus addressed it. Jesus spoke right into worry and anxiousness and anxiety in Matthew 6, 25 through 33. He's talking with his disciples and he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. It's as if Jesus is saying, you don't have to worry. The Father's got you. The Father's got you. You seek him. Seek his kingdom. Seek life the way he intends it. That's a different way of saying righteousness. Righteousness is not just doing good. Righteousness is actually life the way God intended. Seek life the way God intends, and everything else falls into place. So you don't have to worry. And, and even beyond, you don't have to worry. Stop it. Stop it. I'm commanding you not to worry. There is an invitation and a command around our worry, our anxiety, and our fear. Stop it. And this is a theme in the Bible. Joshua 1.9, I remember my dad writing this out like on a little uh, note card and putting it on our bathroom mirror so that we could read it, so that we could be reminded. It's God talking to Joshua as Joshua uh, fills in the big shoes that Moses had been wearing for so long, and Joshua leads the people into the promised land. Right as Joshua takes over, God shows up and he says, Have I not commanded you? It's an invitation and a command. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus just said in Matthew 6? Of like, God, you can see God's provision all around, and you're so much more valuable than the flowers and the grass and the birds. God, your Father, has got you. And to Joshua, he said, don't fear. I've got you. I'm with you. 
over and over and over, God shows up and he tells the people not to fear. Why do you think that is? Because we're prone to it, right? There's stuff in us. Even as Corina is telling her out story today, there's stuff in us that always second guesses, always questions, and always turns a little bit toward worry or fear. But it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to live that way. We're prone to it, but we don't have to stay there. Here's the thing. God didn't just command us to not fear. He didn't just say, I want you to muster up this strength. I want you to get busy. I want you to do it. I want you to try harder. He didn't just tell us to be courageous. He said, I'm going to give you courage. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to plant it within, and you just need to live according to it. You just need to come with and flow in that stream together. God gives us courage. Romans 8.15 says, You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, which is what we tend to do on our own. God says, You didn't receive that spirit from me. You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. He's saying, you are a child of God. We just sang that. We just declared that. We just called that out. If you are in Jesus, you are a son or a daughter of the king, and that means you don't have to be afraid anymore. He gave you courage. As a son or daughter of the king, King, he planted a spirit within you that is full of courage. And it's our job to recognize what's already there and to move with it and stop fighting against it. When you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and he takes up residence in you. That's his promise. Do you think the Holy Spirit is afraid? anything. No. And that's the spirit living within you, is not afraid of anything. We are made sons and daughters of the king. We're adopted, and so we don't fall back into fear. We stand knowing who God says we are. In Christ, we're sons and daughters of God. And again, what kind of spirit dwells within sons and daughters of God? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control or self-discipline. God gave us a spirit not to be afraid, not to be timid, not to live in fear. He gave us a spirit of power. He gave. That's past tense, right? So we don't have to ask him, God, will you give me this? He already gave it. And we need to cooperate. We need to recognize it and come along. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Now, I love this. Because this verse, I think, is easy to pull out and hold on to. And it's good, and it should be held on to. But this verse by itself didn't just pop out of nowhere. It's in context, right? It happens in a message. Paul's writing to Timothy. Paul has mentored Timothy. Timothy's a young-ish pastor, 
right? And Paul is speaking courage over and over into Timothy's life and ministry to say, don't shrink. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, right? But I want you to be an example for the rest of the church in the way that you live. Show them what it looks like, Timothy, to live this life. So here's the context. Paul says he remembers Timothy's tears, and he remembers Timothy's struggle, but he also remembers Timothy's faith that was modeled to Timothy by Timothy's grandmother. Like, what a gift that grandma could show you what life in faith looks like. And Paul says this, for this reason, because I'm reminded of your faith, Timothy, because I remember your tears, because I remember your struggle, because I'm reminded of your faith, for this reason, I remind you, and he tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. He's saying, don't be afraid to bring flowers to somebody. Don't be afraid to start a conversation with some guy on the street and say, like, who are you? How can I love you? How can I be a blessing to you? And how can I share what God is doing in my life? Don't be afraid of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, Paul says, as his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Because suffering is real, right? Suffering doesn't mean you made a mistake or somebody else necessarily did. As we follow Jesus, we will suffer. That's a promise. That's just not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. Paul says, share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, who, I love this, abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul says, Timothy, fan this into flame. It's in you. Now blow on it. Work this out and let it grow in you. Jesus abolished death, and he gave us the gift of life with him. So don't live by fear. Live the gift of power and love and self-control, self-discipline, don't be satisfied with just a little. Paul says, fan it into flame. Fear wants to hold us back. Fear masquerades as our friend. And a lot of us treat fear and worry like a good companion. We want to hold it close. We find things to worry about. And if there's nothing to worry about, we worry about not having anything to worry about. We treat it like a friend, and we get anxious if it's not close. What's going on? It's a lie. And you don't have to let it win. Jesus conquered it. It's already defeated. In him, you have victory over fear. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago about an experience on the high ropes course from the youth trip this summer. And uh, I asked Finn if he would come up this morning and share 
just about his experience with fear and his experience in conquering fear and recognizing that and stepping into it. Finn, would you come up? Finn, if you would uh, tell us your name and your age and something we don't know about you. Uh, I got the first picture. I don't know. <laughs> you got nothing? What's your name? My name is Finn. I'm 11 and... Uh... <laughs> Flash. Flash. Beautiful. All right. Say hi to Finn. All right, you have an awesome story, right? Yep. So you wrote this testimony to me. We turned it into a little bit of a conversation. I'm going to ask you a couple questions, and we'll, we'll do this story together. You went on the youth trip last year, right? Yes. How was that? Good. Good. For Good. the most part. For the most part. You had some trouble on the ropes course. What was that like? It was scary because, like, it's just your really high up in the sky with just a um just something to hold on to and it's terrifying for me or it was terrifying for me yeah yeah so you actually got to the ropes how far out did you get last year i only got first past the first obstacle okay so you you finished the first obstacle um which is a victory right and then you went back but yeah. there was something that was longing in you to say, I didn't finish. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. When I got down, I felt like, I, uh, dang, I can't go back up now. I, I wish I could have done that. Okay. So this year, you went back. This year, um, we had a theme that you picked out as we were going down the river in canoes. Can you tell us about that theme and the picture that we used to help explain it? Yeah, so it was... Um, dropping anchors like fear is an anchor that can weigh you down and we were canoeing so we likened this to like um anchors and how hard it would be to canoe down a river with an anchor on you yep. um and how it would be amazing just to drop them yep yep so you take last year's experience and this year's experience of going down the uh, river in a canoe and saying it, it seems like it doesn't make sense to hold on to anchors as we're trying to move forward into the life God has for us, right? Yeah. And then we went back to the high ropes. Yeah. What happened? So we went back to the high ropes, and um, the first time there was everybody out there, and I really wanted to go out and accomplish what I did last year. Um, I was going to go out with a friend, and then Shannon offered for, him to come, uh, for me to go with him. And I went up. And I got past the first obstacle again, and then I looked at the second one again. It was like, no, this is not happening. Not again. <laughs> um, so I was like, I'm going to go back. So Shannon was like, no, you need to step onto this uh, rope and tug on the string with all your weight. I'm like, okay. So I stepped down and tug on the string. I'm like, okay, I did it. He's like, no, put your weight on it. I'm like, I just did that. Let me go. So we keep on arguing about it. And it takes like 10 minutes till finally I actually go down and do it again. And then we finally go back. When you say you did it again, it, it, like we had a fight 
Yeah, we right? basically did. We had an argument where I said, you're holding on to this anchor of fear and you're treating it like a friend. And you're like, yes, it's a good friend right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got pretty mad at me, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So, so you step down onto the rope, you put all, on the cable, you put all your weight on it. You looked at me like, are you satisfied, jerk? <laughs> and I said, well done. You can get back up and you can go back, right? And I was like, finally. Yes. Finally, and then you got back and you got off the elements, and how did you feel? It, I felt like I should have done it, and like one of the guys that was with us was like, yeah, after you get off of the ropes course and down lower to the ground, it feels like you should have done it before. And I was like, oh, no. And the same as last year, I was the only one that didn't do anything of the course. So it's always that kind of loneliness of like, oh. I'm down here, and everybody else is up there. This is sad. <laughs> yeah. So the last night around the fire, we talked about things that we wanted to leave behind as we went home, right? And stuff that then we wanted to bring home with us. So leave behind, toss it into the fire, bring it home, live according this way. Um, what did you say you wanted to leave behind? I said I wanted to leave it behind my um, uh, fear of heights and, I think, just fear in general also. Yeah, I think. That was your desire? Yes. Yeah. I, I wish I could leave fear behind. That's what I want to do. And then we worshiped. You mentioned that in your testimony as you wrote that, like, you felt like God was doing stuff in worship. Can you tell us about that? It was just a... Um, you know, sometimes it's just like a, yeah, this is just another worship night, okay, whatever. But this one you could really feel, like, the love of the Holy Spirit around you. And it was just comforting, and I think that showed up the next day. Okay, good. It shows up the next day. Yes. Right? It's not just a feel-good thing around the fire. It's something that grows and continues. So I came up and had a conversation with you the next morning. What was that one? This one was we, uh, I was sitting down and I was getting ready. I think we were doing our devotionals for the day. And Shannon comes up to me. He's like, if you want to go and try to conquer your fear again of heights, we can go out to the ropes course with the guide. I'm like, uh, no. <laughs> This is another one of your traps, isn't it? <laughs> so good. So good. So I had talked to a guide and said, if Finn really wants it, could we just sneak away from everyone, take you, like we want to be safe. We want to take a guide and go do this high ropes. And the guide's eyes lit up. They were like, yes, no one's ever asked that before. Let's go get it. So we sat down. I left you with the choice. Finn, if you want to go try it again, tell me. If you want to wait for another turn, let me know that. And then I walked away. And what was your answer? At first, I came up to him, and he was ta taking 10 down. I'm like, no, I'll do it next year. He's like, you really sure? I'm like, oh, dang it, I do. So we Actually, go I think my answer was like, no, that's the wrong answer. Yeah, it was. It was pretty much that. Okay. <laughs> so you're like, fine, I'll do it. And we walked over there. As we're walking over, do you remember the conversation we had? Um, that, like, what 
you said, what's going to come back? And I said, fear. But now I have a hope that I can get through it. Yeah. And that I know fear is going to be there and it's going to be present, but it's not going to overpower me. Yes. Yes. So it would be, I think, foolish to think we're going to go back up on the high ropes and it's just going to be incredible fear. Like, I'll just be excited and this will be happy and easy, right? We knew fear was going to come back and it did. And right? that's the tend you want to lean towards that there's nothing there to be afraid of. But right. it's not really what it actually is. Okay, so it's not about not having fear. It's about not letting fear hold you back, right? You're saying, you don't own me. You don't control me. I don't have to listen to you, right? So we got to that same spot where we had the fight a couple days earlier. Yep. Tell me what happened. We sat down. We were just standing on the pillar with the... So like a round, little round area that you can just stand on. And uh, Shannon and I prayed that there would still be fear, but it wouldn't be um, making decisions for me, that I can make my own decisions without it. And then we went off on the thing. And it was... First, I was just like, oh, 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 no, no. And I was start, I started to cry, and I was just like, oh, dang it, this is so hard. And really, the real truth was it wasn't hard at all, but still fear was, fear was there, like I had said, and it was hard. And we got to the other side, and Shannon yells out, yes! <laughs> I'm like, Okay. <laughs> you're here and it was just like okay I've done this once and I'm fine I trusted God I trusted Shannon and it's like I can do this again and I can go back through the course again and do it next year again so we go back through it and it's just like I don't say a word and I'm just really focused on it and then we get up to the course, and it's just like, finally I did it. I can't wait for next year to be able to actually conquer the whole thing. Yeah. It was pretty amazing watching you step down onto the cable. Isn't that awesome? It's pretty amazing to watch you step down onto the cable. And I remember, I remember this moment where you got on the cable, and you looked at the ground, and you said, It's so high! And the tears are starting to come, and fear is attacking you hard. Do you remember what I said to you? No, not exactly. Stop looking at the ground. Look at me. Look at the rope. Okay, now look I at, remember. Look at the next step ahead of you, right? So I had, this, I had this really amazing conversation with the guide afterward who said, man, in that moment, it took everything I had to not start bawling. <laughs> because that's what Jesus says to us. Like, fear comes our way, and we look at the fear. And Jesus says, stop it. Look at me. And then I had this picture. As you're going through it, and you're crying, and uh, breaking through fear, I had this vision of you like living life 
as if concrete had been poured over you. And every step you took, that concrete was breaking off and falling to the ground. It was incredible. And then I yelled because I knew victory that you had just experienced that your emotions had not yet caught up to. Yep. Right? <laughs> you got done, and you got back on the, uh, the tower at the end, and then you were able to howl, right? Yep. Then you were able to call out. So fear got left in the fire, right? And man, I want you to fan it into flame. I want you to not be satisfied to say that was enough. I want to keep growing. I know what it's like to have fear and not be stopped by it anymore. That's, that's going to show up over and over and over in your life and over and over and over in your life. And you just showed us what it looks like to say, fear you don't own me. Jesus bought me. Jesus conquered you. I have nothing to fear, right? I love it. Well done. You love that? Good job. I, man, isn't that so good? Here's the verses that we were talking about as we canoed down the river, as we talked about the anchors that we were holding on to, that were holding us back from the flow that God had for us through life, right? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles. You get that picture of fear that just grabs on and hinders, right? And the writer of Hebrews is saying, it's time to throw it off. It's time to be done with that. And the sin that so easily entangles and just wraps us up and takes us prisoner. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Finn knows what it's like to live in fear and then find freedom and courage. I know what it's like to live in fear and then find freedom and courage. I've learned that cell phones and their apps can't keep me from worry. That's something only God is strong enough for. And his freedom is real. And I want you to know it too. I want us to live it out together. Be set free. Set it down. Throw it off. And if you want to know how, I think Philippians 4, 6, and 7 gives us a picture of that. Paul says, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't fear anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You pray, Paul says, and you ask. When you have fear come at you, you turn to God. And you say, God, I want this gone. 
and you give thanks because it's not just a timid prayer, right? It's a bold prayer. I want it gone. God, thank you. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then watch the peace that God has for you show up that you may not even be able to explain and might make you look crazy in a world that holds on to worry and anxiety. And you have peace. Add to that what we looked at this morning to dismantle fear. We remember who you are because of who God is and who He says you are. And then you fan this gift into flame with power and with love and with self-discipline. Now, I want you to know if you're here this morning and you want this, it can be yours this morning. You can realize it, that it's already been paid for, already been bought, that uh, death and fear and worry is already conquered, and you can step into it this morning. We're going to end in worship. And after the benediction, we're going to be uh, transitioning pretty quick, right? But this is a time for worship right here. If you feel like you've been living held back by fear, you've given it too much prominence in your life and you want it gone, what I'm going to invite you to do is just come forward. Just experience the gift of admitting that. Experience the gift of vulnerability. If you want to come forward and talk with somebody, if you want somebody to pray over you, Paul says, I want you to fan into flame this gift that's been with you since I laid hands on you and prayed over you. If you want that this morning, we can do that with you. If you just want to come up and here and say, nobody come next to me, I just want to be quiet and do business with God on my own, fantastic. But I'm going to invite you for these next two songs as people are coming up and taking communion. If you want freedom this morning, come and get it. Come and confess it and come and receive it. And if you want somebody to pray with you, we'll be up here for that. Church, let's throw off fear together in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Jesus, that we thank you that you let nothing hold you back, that you were willing to enter suffering and give us life, and not just life timidly, but life abundantly. Holy Spirit, we thank you for coming, for being God in us, taking up residence, leading us, guiding us, empowering us, being with us every step and every thought. May we be people who submit to you and no longer to fear and live in the courage and the freedom that you have instead of being bound by lies. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen.